Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you all. Welcome to those who are visitors and to those who are joining us online. The grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let us worship God on this, the first Sunday in Lent. We sing the hymn 87, Lord, from the depths to thee I cried. The psalmist declared, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, full of power and might, we, your people, gather in the morning light to worship you, to proclaim your greatness, 
and to marvel at the extent of your love for us. Truly, your ways are perfect. Heaven and earth are full of your praise. Glory be to you, the one who hears our prayers. Gracious God, in this season of Lent, when we remember our Lord's time in the wilderness wrestling with temptation and thinking about what was to come, we ask that we would learn from his example that in the days and weeks ahead we might search our hearts as he did, consider anew our calling, reflect on the changes we need to make, and recommit ourselves wholly to you, the one who forgives our iniquities and satisfies us with good things. God of love, since time began, you have journeyed with your people. Help us to rest secure in the knowledge of your care. And as in awe and wonder we remember all that Jesus endured and accomplished for us, let us find ourselves able to follow in his footsteps and so draw nearer to you, the one who is the rock of our salvation. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. And as the one people we say the prayer, he taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. <coughs> as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. A very sincere thank you to all those who supported the Turkey-Syria earthquake appeal coffee afternoon last Tuesday. The sum of one thousand and. £70 or thereabouts was raised. So that's a, a wonderful amount of money altogether. And it was good to see so many people in the hall having a time of fellowship and at the same time raising money for this most worthwhile uh, appeal. So thanks to all who donated baking. The tables could hardly bear the weight of the baking that had been given. A tremendous uh, response altogether. And thanks to all who gave financially as well. The Tuesday group, Open to Men and Women, will meet in our hall this coming Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. There'll be coffee and home baking. And the less said about the speaker, the better. I don't have a clue what I'll be speaking on, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. The second in a series of Lent studies will be held in Park Church this Thursday at 7, and all will be welcome. The final soup and sandwich lunch of the session takes place this coming Saturday from 12 to 1.30, and the attendance at the lunch earlier this month was tremendous. And it would be good if for this final lunch of the session, there was a good attendance again. 
Articles for the spring edition of the church newsletter should be submitted by next Sunday. Now, I've got to say that at this stage, very little has been submitted. I'm not rebuking you because I have not submitted any neither. That's a task for tomorrow. But if there's anything that you think would be of interest, anything about a hymn or a place that you've visited, something to do with the church or the Bible, please do uh, consider submitting that. And you can email your article or um, leave it out there in the vestibule. But next Sunday is the closing date for that. And next Sunday, the sacrament of baptism will be administered during the service. So we look forward to, to that. Now, I've got a few things with me today. A couple of things, in fact. First of all, a bag of fruit. Fruit. There's an apple. There were actually two apples, but I ate one of the apples before the service. So, it's a wee while since breakfast, you see, seven o'clock, so I was a wee bit peckish. So, there's an apple there, a couple of oranges, and some nice grapes. And then, there's this, a box of Quality Street, and you can see all the, the lovely sweeties in there. That's my favourite one, by the way. <laughs> now... We know that fruit is good for us. It helps keep us healthy and well. And whilst we like chocolate, well, there is the danger that if we eat too much of it, we pile on the pounds and it's maybe not so good for our teeth. Now, I want you to imagine you're really hungry, right? Really, really hungry. But someone says to you, you're not allowed to take a chocolate. You're only allowed to eat the fruit. And that person goes out of the room, and you're left on your own, and there's no one watching you. Now, be honest. Would you be tempted? Tempted to take a chocolate? If you were needing a sugar fix? <laughs> I think a lot of us would be tempted to take a chocolate. It's a proven fact that the one sure way to get someone to do something is to tell them not to do it. And there's a sense in which that ties in with our first Bible lesson today. In that we're told about God who created the world and then he made Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the Garden of Eden. And in the garden, there were lots of trees with beautiful fruit. And God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat the fruit from any of these trees, bar one. There's one tree you must not take fruit from. Well, alas, in that garden, there was a snake or a serpent, a very cunning beast, if ever there was one. And the serpent went up to Eve one day and said, Now, why not take some fruit from that tree over there? And she says, Oh, no, God told me that I mustn't take fruit from that tree. 
And the serpent said, Oh, no, no, don't listen to God. You take fruit from that tree. It will be good for you. Well, we know that Eve was tempted and she yielded. She took fruit. She found that it was good. And she gave some to Adam as well. What had happened? Eve and Adam had listened to the serpent and not taken on board what God had said. I think we can find ourselves often in a situation like Eve and Adam. We have decisions to make and sometimes we can be tempted to make the wrong decision. And that is why it's helpful and indeed important if we listen to those around us whom we know love us and care for us. And that is why we can always listen to God, because God has made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and his love is such. He wants only that which is good for us. So let us, as we go forward in this season of Lent and beyond, remember that, and remember that God will help us as we seek always to make the correct decisions and do what is right. Thanks be to God. And if anyone wants a sweet after the service, <laughs> come forward and likewise, the fruit's there as well. I don't want you to take the chocolates home. I am resisting temptation. We sing the hymn 404, a good going hymn, if ever there was one. 404, I danced in the morning when the world was begun.
Let us hear the word of God. The first reading is from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 15 and 17, followed on by chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it you will surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? And the second reading is from the New Testament, the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, can be found on page 2 of the Pew Bible. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. You will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Amen. May God bless these readings from his word, and to his name be the glory and the praise. Amen. Thank you, Rod. Oh, love, how deep, how broad, how high. Hymn 354.
let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are a God who is not taken in by external appearances, but who looks instead into the inner depths of our heart and soul. We praise you for the reassurance this gives us and for the confidence we can have that though we consistently break your commandments, you love us with a love that is deep and broad and high, and you know that we earnestly desire to be your people and to live as you have called us to do. Lord Jesus, for forty days and nights, you fasted in the wild. In that barren place, you experienced trial and temptation, And you discovered for yourself the depth to which the human spirit can sink. Be with us in all our experiences. And in our own times of trial and temptation, when we have choices to make, minister to us that we may not fail, but through discipline and perseverance, prove ourselves worthy of your love. Gracious God, in a week that marked the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine, we pray for peace in that land and in all lands. Root out the causes of division and hatred and bring forth the day when nation will no longer lift up sword against nation. Lord Jesus Christ, you healed the sick. You cared for the poor You confronted injustice and challenged oppression. Be with those who are sick today. Uphold the poor. And equip each one of us that in our everyday lives we may be mirror images of you and speak out against that which is wrong. Gracious God, as we give thanks for the church in all the world, and for the church in heaven. Bless us, your people, in this season of Lent, and grant that as we draw nearer to you, we may learn to seek first your kingdom and willingly give our all in the service of the one who gave his all for us. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, hymn 641.
I don't know about you, but I find it hard to believe that it's already the last Sunday in February, and now here we are, the first Sunday in Lent. It seems only like yesterday we were celebrating the birth of Jesus, and now here we are beginning that journey that leads to his death and then his resurrection. There is a sense in which Lent can be a pretty heavy season. It is a time when we are encouraged to reflect on our lives and our walk with God. It is a time when we're asked to take stock of where we are and what we need to do to make amends in order that we become the people that God created us to be. On this particular Sunday, the church is asked to focus on the experience of Jesus in the wilderness. It came after his baptism when he heard the words of his father, You are my beloved son with you. I am very pleased. That was a big moment for Jesus. That was a high point for him. And yet, it was followed almost immediately by a severe time of testing. A time that would help prepare Jesus for his ministry and all that was to come. There are people who, on occasion, go on a spiritual retreat. I haven't personally gone on one, but I think I would benefit from it. For some people, I'm told, it is hugely beneficial to get away from the norms of life, just to have time to be still. That, I think, is very important. That's something that we should endeavor to do ourselves. But away in one of those spiritual retreats, time to be still and time to connect not only with God, which is very important, but time to connect with ourselves. And that's important too. How are you doing? Where are you? How are you coping? That is something that I think we would benefit from. And I think as a result of such a retreat, one would have a renewed focus on life itself and on those things that matter most. But I was also thinking the other day that for such a retreat to be holy, worthwhile, and meaningful, one would surely have to delve deep within oneself. And that might not necessarily be an easy or comfortable thing to do. The time that Jesus spent in the wilderness lasted some 40 days. He was on his own own. And that must have been hard for him, because the wilderness 
was a barren place. You know, here in Scotland, we've got lots of lovely green and fertile land. Of course, we've got plenty of rain that helps. But the wilderness was not like that. It was bleak. A place where the hills are like dust heaps. And Jesus was exposed to all the elements. And it was there in such a place that Jesus... Well, firstly, he would be able to reflect on the words that God had spoken to him. That was quite a lot to dig in. Quite a lot to digest and process. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And it was also a time when Jesus had to think about the task that lay ahead. That time would have been valuable for Jesus. Time to reflect. Time to simply be. But it was also at such a time that a real struggle took place within his heart, his mind, and his soul. The devil, however you understand that term, came to Jesus as he was to come again and again throughout his ministry. And being tested, Jesus had to dig deep. Deep into his relationship with his Father. Deep into his calling. Deep into his very being. There's a book, The Miracle Morning, And in it, the author writes, every time you choose to do the easy thing instead of the right thing, you are shaping your identity. You're becoming the type of person who does what is easy rather than what is right. There's something here for us to reflect on, isn't there? The easy option can often be the most attractive and enticing one, and yet often it is not the right one. Sometimes we have to take the hard road, the road that demands more from us by way of commitment of time and energy. But it's often such a road that ultimately proves to be the correct one. The story of Adam and Eve is well known, and whatever way you take it, be it literally or symbolically, the point is still the same. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and their task was to look after it. That was what God asked of them. It was a beautiful garden. And God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to look after this garden for me. And as we know, we've heard in the garden there were many trees from which they could eat, but one particular tree they were not to touch. And all was well. All was well. 
until the serpent appeared and spoke to Eve. We mustn't be too hard on Eve. She hesitated. She knew what God had said, but she was persuaded otherwise. And she yielded. And in yielding, Adam was led astray as well. I wonder if we see in Eve and Adam a mirror image of humanity and of the world today. Let's ask some questions. Are we living in harmony with creation? Are we looking after this wonderful world that God has made and entrusted to us? Are we caring for it the way we should? The evidence tells us we are not. Secondly, do we in our lives make decisions that help us to become better people? That's a question to ask, isn't it? Almost every day we have got to make decisions about one thing or another. Do we make the correct decisions? Do we make decisions that are going to help us in our walk with God? To be more loyal and faithful and true. Because in our hearts that's what we want. But we don't always do it. And what about this? Do we observe the boundaries that God has set? Or do we cast them aside in favour of what we think is best, regardless of the cost to our integrity or the good of others? That's quite a question, isn't it? We know what God has said. We read his word. We reflect on the life of Jesus, the Word made flesh. We know, for God has told us, what is right and good and true. And yet, when it's convenient, do we not cast what God has told us to do aside? There's been a big debate, hasn't there, this last week about the place of faith in politics. And I'm not going to get too involved in that this morning. But surely, one's faith impacts on one's whole life. And not only part of it. I don't think we can pick and choose. I think we're to be consistent 
in our understanding of our faith and how that influences our daily living and the decisions that we make. It's a natural temptation to take the easy road. And yet that can be costly in the long run and there can be a heavy price to pay. So how can we respond to the temptations that we all face in life? Well, we can do no better than look at how Jesus dealt with the temptations he faced in the wilderness. Firstly, there was the temptation to turn stones into bread. Now remember, Jesus had been there for a long time. He'd have been hungry, famished. What a temptation. Turn these stones, and plenty of stones there in the wilderness, turn them into bread and satisfy your hunger. On you go. But to yield to that temptation would have seen Jesus use his power selfishly and for his own use. And that, that Jesus always refused to do. We live in an age where a lot of people put themselves first. We know that. Look out for number one could be the motto of many. But that is the direct opposite of what we see in the life of Jesus. Even at the most trying of times, he thought not of himself, but of God and the purpose for which he had come. And that's why he said, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus realized even there in the wilderness there is more to life than satisfying our hunger for food, important though that is. There is an eternal purpose and dimension to our being. And for that reason, we need to focus on what God has said in Scripture and through His Son. Secondly, Jesus is led up to the parapet of the temple, and the evil one challenges him to prove his identity as the Messiah by throwing himself from the parapet to the ground. I'm not one for heights, definitely not. Jesus could have done that. And in so doing, he would certainly have impressed others. He would have made a name for himself. And his standing, well, it would be enhanced. Here, surely, was a shortcut to fame and notoriety. But, my friends, Jesus didn't come to impress. He came to save us. 
And that is why often when he performed a miracle, he said, now don't tell anyone about this. Keep it to yourself and go home and give thanks to God. Jesus didn't want to attract the wrong type of following. The type that saw him as a good guy to have around if you were short of food or wine or in need of healing. He came not to impress, but to save. I wonder if there's something here for us to think about. So many people think that to prove their worth, they have to make a name for themselves and be the focus of attention. That might be the way of some, but it is not the way of the people of God. With humility, we are to be like the one who came, not to be served, but to serve, and who gave his life as a ransom for many. We are to love and forgive. We are to be compassionate and take a stand against that which is wrong. That may not resonate with many today, but my dear people, that is the way to true greatness. And then finally, the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And as he did so, he said, if only you'll pay homage to me, I will give you authority over these kingdoms. What a temptation. We are tempted, but not in any way like this. What a temptation. One that would give Jesus earthly power and that would mean he did not have to endure the cross or the tomb. But Jesus said no. He knew what God had sent him to do, and nothing would deflect him from his path. In this temptation, the choice is clear. Worship God, or worship the devil. For us, the choice isn't perhaps always that obvious, but it is there nevertheless. And that's why we need to make sure that we're worshipping God through our adherence to His commandments. By following humbly in the footsteps of Jesus. And by praying to the Holy Spirit for guidance all our days. We are told that at the end of this third temptation, the devil left Jesus. He must have been physically, emotionally, and spiritually drained. But the devil only left for a time. He returned 
throughout the three years of our Lord's ministry. The evil one was there, but Jesus resisted his temptations. He did not yield. And because of that, Jesus knows what it's like for us. When we are tempted to do the wrong thing, just as angels came and ministered to Jesus, and what a lovely picture that is, so in our times of temptation, Jesus comes and ministers to us. And therein lies our hope, our confidence, and our salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now and ever shall be, world without end. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we journey through this season of Lent, grant us time to reflect on our walk with you, and send your Holy Spirit to lead us, that in our times of testing we may not yield but keep to the path set before us by Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. The closing hymn is hymn 338, a hymn that takes up the passage we read from the Gospel today. 338, Jesus tempted in the desert.
in peace, and be of good courage in the face of temptation, for your Saviour is with you to help you and to aid you. And the blessing of Almighty God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore.